0: Okay, this is a Sunday we're starting a new series, meaning a topic we talk about for several weeks, and actually this will be a three-week series. There's actually three weeks, not counting now, until Christmas, which is also on a Sunday. And so this series is called The Gift, and today's topic is Jesus, Our High Priest. Now, how many of you have nativity scenes at home or put up a nativity scenes? How many of you? All right. My wife didn't answer me how, how many we have, but there are more than one at <laughs> our house. All right, so what do you usually have in a nativity scene? You have a Mary and a Joseph, right, and a baby Jesus. What else is usually there? Go ahead. Can... Shepherds shepherd sometimes, there's shepherds, yeah. What else? You have, sometimes there's animals. As a kid, I always liked the little animals at, that, at the nativity scene. Who else is Usually there. Wise men. Okay. Should the wise men be there? No. Okay. <laughs> they shouldn't be there. And we're going to read the text from Matthew that makes it impossible that they were there. Um, we talked about the wise men or nativity scenes. Um, wise men were wise men. learned, educated men. From far away, we don't know how far. We don't know how long they traveled. They were most likely wealthy. Um, Another question, how many of them were there? Trick question. More than one. That's a good answer. (laughs) We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. Traditionally, we say three. Why do we say three? Because there's what? Three what? Gifts. Topic. The gift right so there's three gifts one commentator mentioned there might have been dozens of them anyway they were wealthy intelligent men and they were seeking out this God and uh, for best we could tell they weren't Jewish so they didn't worship the Jewish God but they through their studies of the stars they realized that there was a a, a, a God being born. <laughs> in this place under the star. Now, those of you who have children, when you had your children, did people bring these gifts to your house? Let's read. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Hopefully nobody came and worshipped your children when they were born. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, we got diapers, we got little outfits. Uh, I don't remember any gold, frankincense, or myrrh when our kids were born. So these were unusual gifts for uh, a child. We're gonna, um, the child was at a house. He wasn't born in a house. So obviously there was a time difference. And if we know from the recorded uh, Gospels, when Herod found out from the wise men that this king was born, being king, he didn't want any other king, so he killed all the children from two years under. So Jesus could have been close to two years old by the time they got there. Now, <clears throat> these gifts are unusual. i still looking for examples from you folks about unusual gifts you received. Um, my wife told me about this story. Um, well this is going to be pretty old this is silverware I guess you can tell that right (laughs) now the story behind this is this Uh, Deb's grandparents um, Deb's mom was their first child and then they went eight or nine years before their second child was born within several months after the second child was born her name is Joy she was uh, her grandmother was pregnant again, and she wasn't too happy about that. And so, to try and cheer her up, her husband bought her, guess what, ladies? Silverware. Would that cheer you up in that situation? I don't i don't think it would have my wife, maybe. Uh, uh, from what I, the story tells me, it didn't do a lot in, uh, at the time. But, but the thought was good, right? Pretty unusual gift, though. So share with me some unusual gifts that you've participated in, either giving or receiving. So these gifts were valuable, um, but they also had very important spiritual connotations. And that's what this series is going to be about. So let's just kind of go through the three first, and then we'll just look at one this morning. The gold most likely could represent the kingship of Jesus. They came to worship a king, right? And Jesus is our Lord and Savior and King Jesus. So we'll talk about that one Sunday. Today we want to talk about frankincense. And I already mentioned that Jesus is our high priest. And if you don't understand that, that term, we'll talk about it. And then the myrrh represented the fact that he came to do what? To die. The Lamb of God take away the sins of the world. Now, um, any of you have essential oils at your house? We have lots of them at our house. And one of them that we have is frankincense. So if you'd like to smell it or taste it, we have some for you. Anyway, frankincense oil, what's it good for? It possesses antiseptic, astringent, carmative, carmative. That's a word I don't know. I meant to look it up. Somebody have to tell me later. Diuretic. Digestive, sedative, uterine, therapeutic properties. So it's basically good for whatever ails you, it sounds like, right? Especially 2,000 years ago when they didn't have pharmacies to go to. So it was used for healing different physical ailments. But the interesting thing also was it was used as incense, and they would burn it and smell the fragrance from it, especially in the temple. So, Jesus, our high priest. Now, if you're not from a Catholic background, priests are kind of unusual in our tradition. We don't have priests. Uh, So, what was the purpose of priests? They had priests in Judaism. So, what was the purpose of the priests? Basically, well, basically, it represented they represented God, the people, God to the people. Um, Yeah. People before God,. So two functions. The priest made sacrifices for the forgiveness of sin of the people. So in their system, if you sinned and I sinned, what we would do, we would go to the temple, we'd take an offering, we'd buy it probably, and give it to the priest. The priest would kill it and spread the blood on the altar to forgive me of my sins. So the priest did that for me. The other thing the priest would do in Judaism, was prayed prayers for God's people on behalf. Now, I think that priests in in Catholicism today do that also. But um, I can pray prayers for you. (laughs) I do. But you can pray them yourself, right? You have access to God. So Jesus is described in Scripture, and we'll look at it, as our high priest. Now, they had a bunch of priests, but one guy was the high priest. He was number one. They only had one at a time. And he had the privilege of going once a year in the Holy of Holies, and we'll talk about that. Um, so we have this holy God and sinful us, right? Sinful people. That's the problem. And we don't like to talk about sin in our culture. We like to talk about mistakes. Because if you make a mistake, you don't have to get forgiveness for it. You just say, ah, oh, sorry, I made a mistake, Right? and try and do better next time, or maybe I'll even try and do better next time. I don't know. Uh, So I put on your outline, if we don't understand the holiness of God, we'll always have a casual approach to sin, like it's just a mistake. Now, the word holy in Scripture translates to separate. So God is wholly separate, all right? Because he's holy, sinless, and we are sinful, (laughs) there's a separation. God can't be in the presence of sin. So, that's a big dilemma, right? Now, he's not just holy, all his attributes are holy. So, his power is holy, his mercy is holy, his grace is holy. And so, consequently, we need to offer him worship and praise because he's this holy other. Uh, on your outline, our God is holy. The challenge is what? We're not. He's holy, we're not. So where does that leave us? Well, why does God hate sin? Scripture says He hates sin. Why does He hate sin? Because it separates us, right? Uh, Adam and Eve dwelt with God in in the garden, right? And then they sinned and there was a separation. It breaks the connection. It breaks the intimacy. It becomes a, a barrier. Now, in Judaism, they have this holiday called Yom Kippur. We call it the Day of Atonement. Right? And what happens, well, it used to happen. They don't have a temple anymore. But what used to happen was the high priest would go once a year, once only one time a year, into this back part of the temple called the Holy of Holies, only person who got to go in there was him, and he only got to go in there once a year. And the mercy seat and some other things were in there. They even tied a rope to his leg. If he died in there, they could pull him out because nobody else was allowed to go in there. I got to thinking, well, if I was elected high priest, how exciting would it be that first time you got to go in there to pre- on Yom Kippur? And what he would do... They would sacrifice a lamb, and he would take the blood, and he would take it in there, put it on the mercy seat for the forgiveness of the sins of the Jewish people. Okay. But there was two lambs, or two a lamb and a goat, involved in this ceremony. How many of you heard the term scapegoat, right? Nobody knows that term. Well, it originated here, because they had a goat, and I don't know how they representatively transferred their sins to this goat. I don't know if they laid hands on him or what. And then they ran the goat out into the wilderness to, to to, die. All right? And so that took the sin of the people away from God. And the offering was for the sacrifice for the sins of the people. Now, especially if you're a goat or a lamb, that doesn't seem very fair, does it? It's you. I sacrifice your life for these people that, and it's kind of gross. I've always thought about I'd hate to have been uh, in the ministry in Judaism. And half, my, part of my job was to slit the throats of animals and collect the blood. And it just seems so gross. And, and, but the, that's important because sin is gross. And so it takes something gross to eradicate the problem. So, on your outline, the sacrifice does what? It satisfies God's justice. God is holy, but also God is just. So, the wage of sin is death, so we sin, so something's got to die. But it also, at the same time, extends mercy. God doesn't have to accept that, but he chooses to. And that's the beauty of that system, which we're an extension of, Christianity, but a much better extension, uh, because this is, they had to do it once a year, right? Well, people sacrifice more often, but Yom Kippur was once a year. So it was temporary at best. So God wanted to provide something better. He wanted to provide something permanent. And so Jesus comes along as our high priest. I didn't put all the text on the screen or on your outline, so I'm going to read a couple of verses from Scripture This is in Hebrew. All the scripture is going to be in Hebrews. uh, A great book to to read about this topic. Because it talks about the connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Covenant and the New Covenant. So I'm going to pick it up in verse... I'm not going to read the whole 10th chapter. We'll hit some highlights. If they could, that they is the high priest, or the priest, if they could provide perfect cleansing the sacrifices would have stopped. So, they had this Yom Kippur, this sacrifice. If it could have provided complete cleansing, then it wouldn't have to do it again, right? That's just common sense. They would have stopped. For the worshipers would have been purified once for all. But it didn't work that way. And their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But no, they would sin and the guilt would come back. And so, they would have this sacrificial system to forgive their sins, but also to clear their guilt. But instead, those sacrifices actually, notice this, reminded them of their sin year after year. So, none of us like to be reminded of our sin, but anytime we, oh, Yan Kippur is coming up, uh, we're going to have to sacrifice for our sins that we committed this past year. So, it was a reminder of our shortcomings and our sinfulness and of course guilt for it is it's not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin or not take take it away permanently that is why Christ Jesus came into the world i thought about it this way it's kind of like a rehearsal friday night guess what we did here we had a wedding rehearsal right so i I walked through the ceremony and then we practiced the ceremony and it was a mess that first time. (laughs) And so we practiced again. It still didn't go great, but everybody was tired of practicing, so we quit practicing. We could have practiced three or four times, right? Then last night, we had the wedding. So are we going to have rehearsals anymore? Nah, there's no need for rehearsals anymore because the wedding has already happened. So Yom Kippur was kind of like rehearsal for the big event, the final event, event that didn't need to be repeated anymore. Scripture is going to say, I think in verse 9, I'm not going to read it, that it canceled the first covenant, the Old Testament way of doing it. And then we're going to pick it up in verse 10. This is actually on the screen. I read it there. For God's will... For us, sinful people, was to be made holy. But again, we're not holy. How are we going to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all? So we're going to talk about the Lamb of God next. Uh, yeah, next week. But this was the living being, not an animal. I guess we're animals. That was going to be sacrificed for the forgiveness of sin. Now, because he did this to make us holy, does that mean we can just ignore the law, the moral law? We don't need to do what we want? No, of course not. But it has nothing to do with our holy becoming holy or our salvation. Once we've entered into a relationship with God, if you you haven't, we're glad that you're joining us or... or uh, participating in this service. But once we do that, what's our responsibility? Well, we talk about every week, follow Jesus, right? Seek to obey him in active things as well as things we're not supposed to do. Another way to think about this is guys that are married, if you're out working, you get all dirty and muddy and, and everything, is your wife going to let you in the house that way? Well, if you do, she's not going to like it very much, is she? All right. Um, But if you could put yourself in a complete white suit, feet feet and everything, you could come into the house, it would be perfectly fine, right? You would look clean. You wouldn't dirty up the house. But underneath, you are still what? Still dirty. All right. So that's kind of what Jesus does to us. He becomes our covering because we're still sinners, right? God can't associate with us when we're dirty or sinful. So Jesus covers us. And so God sees us as pure and spotless. It's amazing, isn't it? goes on. But under the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament with the priest and all that, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, ongoing, repetitious, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sin i got thinking about stuff that we do over and over again um where daniel go anyway <laughs> daniel cuts grass for a living i don't cut grass for a living but i have to cut it week after week all summer long i'm i'm glad one reason i like cold weather no more grass to cut right can you imagine if you cut grass once and it didn't have to cut anymore daniel would be out of work but <laughs> anyway um ladies you, you wash dishes you just wash dishes once and and you don't have to wash dishes again, right? Or whatever it might be, dust or vacuum or do, uh, laundry, whatever it might be, right? Just do it once and it's all finished. All right. Well, that's the beauty of Christianity. Old way, just over and repetitious, over and over again because it, it didn't do it completely. So, text goes on. But our high priest, which is Jesus, Offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sin good for what? All time. Then he sat down at the place of honor at God's right hand. Now, so we do good deeds? Yes, our good deeds have nothing to do with our salvation or our holiness before God. Jesus took care of that for us. Then skipping down some verses to verse 23. But let us Hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. We have hope. Well, The most difficult thing to do and, live, live, and lo- live life is without hope, right? Hope we affirm. For God can be trusted, we talk about trusting Him all the time, to keep His promise. Now, if you make promises to somebody, I was always careful when my kids were small. I wouldn't promise them very often. Oh, I promise you'll go to the zoo tomorrow. Well, you don't know what's going to happen so we'll try and go to the zoo tomorrow. I wouldn't promise because I gonna make sure I could keep my promises. Well, God always keeps his promises because who could stop him from doing what he promises? So when we read his promises in his word, we can fully trust him. We can have hope that what he says will happen. Now, earlier, the writer of Hebrews said something really interesting about this high priest. This is chapter 4. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, like you said, he's now at the right, right hand of the Father, he was Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Again, those promises. So I kind of thought about it this way. i not been to court very much, but I see uh, these uh, lawyer shows on TV, right? And so you have the person that's on trial, and he has a lawyer, and the person on trial often doesn't say anything, does he or she? The lawyer speaks for him. And that's the way I like to think about us and God. We get to God through Jesus, right? He is our lawyer. He's our spokesman. He speaks up for us. He defends us. He died for us. He shed his blood for us, and he rose from the dead for us. And the text goes on, this high priest, Jesus, he's our high priest, and he understands. He understands our weaknesses. He understands our sinfulness. Why? Because he faced all the same testings or trials or temptations that we do, of course, with the biggie, yet he did not sin. So he can't empathize with us, but he can sympathize with us. Whatever temptations you've had or I've had, he had. So the lie, steal, cheat, commit adultery, whatever. He had all those temptations that you and I have. So he understands, but he never gave in, which gives us hope that if he didn't give in, we don't have to give in. Now, back in early on in his ministries, there's a text that talks about, it's kind of funny. It basically... His family comes to Jesus and said, uh, Jesus, uh, this is kind of crazy stuff you're talking about. Um, maybe we just need to take you along home. <laughs> they actually thought he was crazy. Now, if, you're, if your child or your sibling said they were Jesus, I have a sibling here, um, you would think they were crazy too, wouldn't you? But probably most of us, probably all of us, have a crazy in our family somewhere, don't you? who he's got a crazy in their family. If you don't have your hand up, guess what? You're the crazy. You just haven't figured it out yet. (laughs) So they thought he was crazy. Uh, Of course, he struggled with with people uh, believing him. People abandoned. His disciples were just kind of, didn't have a clue, it seemed like most of the time. Eventually, he was betrayed by one of them. And probably the most difficult thing for Jesus, on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now we understand why, because then he was sin, took our sin for us, and God can't be connected with sin. He's got to be separate. And so, of course, Jesus dies and then he's resurrected and he conquers sin. And so, consequently, then he can be one again with the Father. <clears throat> i got to think about this, those of us that are parents. When your child hurts, are you just perfectly fine with that? No big deal? No, when your child hurts, what? You hurt, right? It's kind of crazy. I mean, they skin their knee and you feel bad for them. Uh, it could be something more serious. So our high, our high priest sympathizes with us. He hurts when we hurt. And then I think just one more verse. So, consequently, if we had this high priest that's like this, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Through Jesus, we can come as holy. There we will receive his mercy. He will not get our punishment. Jesus was punished for us. And we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Why? Because Jesus is our high priest. So that's frankincense. We will pick up next week talking about myrrh. Let me pray with you. Father God, thank you. We thank you for this uh, well, kind of complicated system that used to have that you've simplified through Jesus. You only, not only simplified it, you perfected it. it was once for all, he's taken care of the sins of the world. I thank you for those of us who have accepted that gift. We pray for anyone that might be listening or here that... Uh, Hasn't stepped across that line, God. We pray the day would be the day that you would accept your gracious gift of forgiveness and salvation and and reconnecting with you, even though we remain sinful people. Uh, We thank you for the season again, God. And We don't want to just think about a baby in a manger, but we want to think of Jesus, the high priest. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.